We are I. Good morning, Manisha. Thank you for accepting my invitation to come on We Are I. Um, I believe my interest lies in, you know, there's somebody from a different part of the world and, you know, somebody who has a different educational background than what people may do in the West and it's just a, a different approach to things. Um, I'd like to bring you into this podcast by reading uh, your educational background. I'm going to start top to bottom on the list that you sent me. Uh, you have your master's in dietetics and food service management systems, bachelor mm -hmm. of science in food science and technology from Delhi University in 2007, postgraduate diploma in packaging technology, Indian Institute of Packaging, uh, certificate course in sports nutrition from the Sports Authority of India, NSNIS and CSS, uh, internationally certified sports nutrition specialist with the National Exercise and Sports Trainers Association via California, USA. Um, Ayurveda Dietetics, the University of Transdisciplinary Health Sciences and Technology. I do know that there's another category to this, which is certifications. I'm going to stop there because I believe that that sets the tone for the authority that you have for the discussion that we have today. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me over. I was really thrilled uh, because this is going, going to be the first time that I'm ever talking in a podcast. And yeah, I'm, I am pretty much excited to talk about what we have awesome. planned. All right. So like we just discussed a little bit briefly before, I'd like to get into this podcast by how and why did you get so deep into nutrition and everything kind of like, you know, packaging, nutrition, sports nutrition, nutrition science, like, like, why does that intrigue you so much? I love food. <laughs> Who does it, right? I, yeah, I, I love food. I love talking. And in fact, that's, that's what my community stands from. I'm from India, and I am a Punjabi. And uh, that's that's what Priyanka Chopra also is. I think that's what people will relate with. And we guys are into food and talking. I love food. I love talking. So I studied depth of food, and now I make money out of talking about food. So yeah, that's that's why that's that's why what uh, I do what I do. <laughs> Did you always know, like when you were growing up, and you know you're always passionate about food? I know Indian culture, you know, is very much around food, very much around community. You know, like long meals, lots of meals, bring the friends and family over, stop by, yes. have something to eat. And by way of my absolute favorite is uh, chicken curry with Missy, <laughs> Missy Roti. Um, and uh, like, is it always been a, a passion? Like you said, like it's one thing to love food and be a foodie, but it's another thing to go so deep into nutrition science like what you have. Yeah. Yeah. Um I loved food since the very beginning, but, uh, you know, after the school is over, usually the, the there is this, uh, there's this typical confusion in every student's mind about the further education. And then there is this one person in the family who is considered to be the most 
um, intelligent one and the most professional one and then you the kids go to him or her for the advice right so I had this uncle who uh, I went to for advice about how I should pursue my further education and he suggested to uh, go for food technology and in fact uh, in Delhi University in India uh, there is the, there used to be a common form where you could just pick out all the subjects that you wanted to study and then see where you qualify for what you qualify for so um, I had good uh, you know uh, I had good marks in uh, I had really good grades in the class 12th so after the school and I was uh, qualified for many courses but then he suggested that because it is an industry oriented course I should go for food technology and once I got into the college I think uh, that's where the things really changed because I realized that that was the best decision I made for myself because that was uh, you know my college was surrounded around um, you know studies and assignments and depths of uh, science uh, it was not a not a college in fact it was more of a school because there was so much work to do however uh, you know thanks to my teachers thanks to uh, all my professors I was able to develop the uh, the hands-on knowledge uh, in the depths of science and that propelled me and compelled me to study more in fact that's where I picked up packaging technology as my post-graduation but then I wanted to study food further so in packaging I was studying more about the outer appearance and the outer science of the packaging but then I was more interested in what's inside and I was missing physiology I was missing um, you know how the human body works so I came back to studying another master's in dietetics. And that's where I think that thirst is not going to be quenched for me ever. I love studying about human body and how it works, how it interacts with food. So yeah, I think the, the interest keeps building up as I keep on studying different courses. So yeah, I think I found my love. <laughs> oh, sounds like it. Uh so it, this is actually one of the main reasons why that I wanted to have a conversation with you today is because uh, food packaging is something that I harp on all the time because of the manipulation of people through packaging, you know, color, shape, size, then also the manipulation of people of what's inside. Um, we'll get to that after. I want to kind of, my mind just kind of wanders all over the place. So I'll, I'm going to do my best to reel myself in. Um, on these ones. So in the West here, we prominently, when you talk to somebody, you know, who's like a dietitian or, you know, self-proclaimed nutritionist or done any courses, they always fall or try to push you into a category of, you know, you should be ketogenic, plant-based, vegan, carnivore, you know, paleo, all these different, you know, kind of methodologies when it comes to how to tackle what's the best way to be able to eat now like what is your experience like like what do you talk to people about like like do you do individual dieting for people or what's the concept or the model that you think is the best way for people to eat you know based on health and longevity uh, see, I feel uh, that's like a worldwide phenomena where uh, there are so many self-proclaimed nutritionists and they have their own agenda behind everything that is just. Uh, however, uh, what I feel is that 
anybody who any a uh, proper nutritionist or a dietitian in their proper headspace and a proper educational qualification would never suggest anything which is biased towards any specific nutrient so in fact uh, that's the best thing about my profession my profession allows me the diversity uh, uh, my profession allows me to explore the diversity of food of uh, you know the the possibilities of having a good health long life healthy life uh, which is not limited to a specific size of the body it goes way beyond that it's also about how you feel from inside it's also about uh, how your skin looks like it also about how your hair looks like it also is about how your mental health looks like it's also about the kind of relationship you share with food it's also about the relationship you share with your family when you are at the food table so food and nutrition is not only about having a specific diet which you can follow to achieve a certain goal of a physical body it goes way beyond that and that's where and that's why all of the diets fail because if you talk about going on a diet any diet for that matter it's always going to be lacking in at least one of the parameters that i have just spoken about so if you want a whole life where you are talking about you know your physical growth your mental growth your spiritual growth your relationship growth and have a wholesome life altogether food is going to be a part of it right and when you think of it from that perspective automatically 99% of the diets which are floating around in the social media are going to be redundant you know and that's in fact that's what i also live by in fact it's i'm really amazed with the power of food and human body the more i am studying about human body it's been it's been what 15 years almost that i am dedicatedly studying about human body the more i'm studying the more i realize that you know when you eat in balance when you eat with a good mood that's all that you need for good health that's 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 actually it 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 can't get simpler than this but we make it complex because we do not want to put in the basic work we do not want to have the same kind of food every single day we do not want to go for uh, workouts consistently we do not want to sleep on time consistently so that's where the problem lies it's not because our metabolism is slow or a certain diet is not working for us or maybe we have medical issues or whatever it's the is the lack of basic foundations of a healthy life which our mothers our grandmothers knew and that's the reason why they had longer lives they had healthier lives than us so yeah i i really believe in the balance of food life relationships and all of that yeah so this brings me back to um a perspective that i ask everybody especially people who are so knowledgeable like yourself do you think one of the major contributing factors to our dysfunction in life and then correlates into our dysfunction with our relationship with food and how we perceive food is because we live in major urban centers 
And we have grocery stores. Um, I truly feel that uh, with the modernization of uh, food, food packaging, food processing, these things were made to make our life simple. Right. And I really treat that as a blessing. There are so many things which come out of a packet which are healthy as well as convenient. And, uh, you know, we are working towards the whole world is working towards a bigger goal of having more success, having more money, having more, uh, having better quality of life, having better uh, houses, having better cars and all of those things. I'm not saying that all of that is bad. It's a good thing. Uh, And having this convenience food and grocery store thing is an addition and uh, an aid to achieve that goal easily. However, the problem lies where we misuse all of these things and rely completely on these things rather than, uh, you know, using them just as they are for the convenience. So as much as you can, this is what I also suggest to my clients. This is also a a long-term goal of my life, you know, uh, have homegrown food, have home-cooked food as much as you can. Uh, If you can uh, afford help, hire help but then have homemade food uh, as much as you can. If you can grow some stuff at your home, do that. And if you cannot, don't be uh, guilty about not doing all of those things. Go for the convenience foods, but keep those basics right. You know, eat on time, sleep on time. Do not binge watch when uh, your body is telling you to sleep. Uh, listen to your emotional uh, emotional. Uh, burnouts and then rest Uh, take care of your relationships so that your body is healthy inside out and in fact I think just a second so as you're talking about this to segue after you finish your thought into what you (laughs) think um, of the concept of that for hundreds of thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, thousands of years, depending on how long, you know, different people or different groups of people want to think humans have been on this planet. Up until very recently, and we could argue maybe 40 to 70 years ago, there was, when (laughs) when it came around to food, there was calories out to get calories in. Now there's no calories out to get calories in. We can only go with calories in. And this is what the, what I see with the problem with like convenience foods and grocery stores and, you know, packaging and all these things that are easy is because there's no calorie expenditure and people right now are more lazy. Like human beings are more lazy now than what they've ever been in the existence of humanity, you know, because we have office jobs, people are sitting, people are driving everything is easier like what you highlighted the problem is when we made things a lot easier there's very little calorie out but a lot of calorie in and a lot of easy calorie in and an abundance of calorie in and we have this primal aspect to us still where we are like we need food food could be scarce one day we haven't evolved to a point to understand that like food's not scarce anymore and not only that is we're not even burning the amount of calories that people normally would have or human beings normally would have when food scarcity was actually real. And so there was this, there was this metabolic flexibility that came with life because you were naturally floating between 
more of a ketogenic and more of a glucose-based system or, you know, like a ketone and glucose-based system because you had to because of food scarcity. But like now, that's one of the biggest arguments about, you know, like, you know, humans right now. Are we not metabolically flexible between like a a ketone-based system and a glucose-based system, you know, because of how lazy we are and how much abundant food is available? That that actually makes a lot of sense because, uh, yes, uh, our body is flexible. I would, uh, you know, uh, anybody who says that our body is not flexible enough anymore, I would disagree to them because our body is flexible. That is the reason why people are able to go into the state of ketosis when they go for a ketogenic diet. Right? Our body is completely capable of doing that. The problem is that we are, yes, we are using the convenience foods. We are taking care of our calorie in, but we are not taking care of our mind-body connection. So the the reason why calorie in creates a problem is because we do not stop when our body tells us to stop. Just because it's really tasty. I really want that extra cup of chocolate. I, I want that extra piece of chocolate. I just feel like having that extra piece of cake after the meal or just because these noodles taste really nice I'm really done but there is left in the plate I might as well finish it you know so the problem is not the convenience food the problem is we have stopped listening to our body when it tells us to do something same is the case with uh, our stress mechanisms our body is telling us to sleep But that one extra episode on Netflix is really important for us. That extra few minutes of late night calls with our, our, uh, you know, long distance relationship, our partner is really important to us. And that is the reason why we are not listening to our body when it is telling us to sleep, right? That's where our cortisol mechanisms go heavier. That's where the stress hormones are, uh, you know, releasing in our body. That's where your muscle breakdown is starting. That's where your body is generating fat because our body, as you said, is uh, still in its uh, primitive mechanisms where our body, the only job our body has to do is to survive and make us live. So if we are not listening to the body signals, our brain is going into the drive where it feels that there's a flight and fight response needed here. And that's where the fat generation kicks in. That's where the muscle breakdown kicks in. That's where the insulin resistance kicks in because our body just wants to save energy. It's not, I I see so many people, I see so many people uh, asking me for advice where they blame their body that, uh, you know, over a period of time, my metabolism has stopped supporting me or my body has stopped supporting me. But it's not that, it's not the case. The problem is that when our body was telling us to do something, we were not doing it. And now our body is just helping us survive with whatever best way it can. And that's where the problem is. Uh, you know, we are not fat because we are eating more. We are fat because we do not know when to stop and we do not listen to our body. In fact, um, this is this is one example that I give to my clients even when I talk, talk about mind-body connection. If you look at a kid who is maybe an year old, below one year, that's that's where, uh, you know, the emotional development starts to happen. Before that, the baby does not have a concept of greed. 
right? And when you're feeding that baby, when you're feeding that toddler, I dare you to feed that baby one extra bite than they want to have. You won't be able to, right? That's the kind of mind-body connection we should aim for. They know when to stop. They just they are just listening to their body. Yeah, we've all been around kids, and I have three daughters myself, and I know exactly wow. what you mean when you say that. When it's like if they don't want yeah. to eat anything else, that they food's won't. getting launched across the room, pushed off the high chair, pushed off the table. The bowl's getting flipped over, you know. But like you said, like you know, over the course of time, we develop these habits where, like, you know, it's like you know, don't waste that food. Well, what does don't waste that food look like? That means yeah. that I eat everything on my plate. Well, how about even the fact that somebody else makes you a plate of food? Well, who is that? You know, like, is a man making a plate of food for a woman? Is an adult making a plate of food for a child? You know, so then it becomes like now, like, I'm going to interpret for you how much you should eat. And then if you don't finish your plate, I'm going to make you feel guilty for not finishing the food because there was food on your plate. You should be grateful that you have any food to eat. You know, so we get into these emotional mind traps, like what you said, but like, we're just not listening to that that feeling because we've also, well, I shouldn't say like we, there's a narrative out there that I know I was, you know, kind of raised in where it's the, you know, you should eat until you're full, not until you're satisfied. And that's one of the hardest things to break as an adult is like just knowing when to stop. Like what you've, you know, been highlighting here is just listening to your body, like, you are full. You don't have to keep on eating. That feeling of full, of stuffed, is not something that we should be striving to achieve. But then with a lot of the foods that people are eating, it's so easy to even keep on eating past that because of how many people have they feel full. But like you said, then the, the cookies, the cake, the pie, you know, like the right. sweets, the chocolate, all that stuff comes out after that fact. And there's another 300 calories, 400 calories, 500 calories. You know, there's the, there's the pie or the cake and well, where's the ice cream now? (laughs) Now we got to put the ice cream on top of it. You know, like, it's just, it's the snowball effect that keeps on going, but we could have stopped way before that because the amount of calories there alone is just not something that we need. And then going so far past, like you said, of just the connection with our bodies. Yeah. And in fact, uh, there's so much of a deeply ingrained reward behavior around food. So, uh, you know, you won't get the dessert till the time you finish the plate of your food or vegetables, the the plate of vegetables. Uh, When we have something to celebrate, we usually celebrate with food. We go out to eat, you know. Uh, Kids had good grades in an exam. Let's treat them with food. Uh, You know, you have to catch up with friends. Let's go out for a drink. The the problem here is that we are... uh, finding that depth and meaning in the relationship through food right so that's that's also one really really big problem uh, when we talk about mind body connection because you might not feel like having something but just because it's a pattern uh, you know dessert is something that you definitely take after a meal even if you don't feel like taking it out of a habit you will and you you might feel guilty for having a dessert, uh, you know, at an odd time, at an abrupt time in the day, just because you felt like having it. But then it's so deeply ingrained that first you have, then you have a dessert. You know, that's also where we, we don't listen to our bodies usually. 
Well, and you know, like you said, like it's the, you know, you go over to grandma and grandpa's house and, you know, like they're going to, you know, give you a treat. You go to the beach, you're going to get some ice cream. It's hot today, right. you know, at school. So the kids get freezies and popsicles. And, you know, like you said, like we, we continually reward people around food. And now, you know, I don't know what it's like in, you know, in India, but in the West here, like then, now we've taken that, we've glorified it with all these food TV shows of, you know, people eating these like, you know, monster hamburgers with like french fries and like just these like glorified the gluttony of overeating and then now people are like oh i want to try eating you know something that big or you know like i want to go to that place and have these you know pancakes that have chocolate syrup and whipped cream and there's chocolate chips on the inside and, you know like they're just like all these super high calorie dense foods and then like the pleasure and the reward around that, because, you know, like you were highlighting, this all ties back into like our reward system, like when we're foraging for food and we see those brightly colored berries and it draws our attention over there. And then we taste them and like we taste that sweetness and we know we need calories, you know, intrinsically in the body. So it's like we want to eat those things. But like now we have this dysmorphic view of like that's our primal aspect that we can't control and now we've shoved cakes, cookies, and pies in front of us after we've just ate a meal. And then, like you said, we've created this whole social life around food in its entirety, you know, over and above, like, you know, like drinks. We haven't even <laughs> talked about, like, you know, the alcohol people are going to drink or, like, the juice that people are going to drink or, like, all these other things that come along with food that people now add another three, 400 calories worth of liquids to their meal and stuff too, right? Yeah. And, in fact, uh, see – as an adult, there is a lot of mental work uh, around, uh, you know, around fixing the relationship with food. But I think as parents, uh, what we can do, and in fact, I have a lot of childhood memories around this. Uh, my father was hardcore into fitness. And we also had those, uh, you know, reward patterns. And we also had those uh, luxury meals on the weekends. But then our luxury meals looked like homemade milkshakes with a lot of nuts in them and those nuts we will hand pound them uh, so that we are getting some exercise in I remember uh, I used to get my rewards for having good grades in the form of having a cricket bat so my father once bought me a cricket bat uh, because I had the first rank in the class uh, academically and so what I'm saying is that, yes, there can be, uh, there has to be a reward system. Of course, that's the motivation of life. But then these rewards can be changed to healthier ones and a mixture of a lot of different things rather than just relying on, uh, I don't know, having a huge pizza every time you want to celebrate, you know? Why do you think that people fundamentally no because I always say to everybody that I talk to and anybody who's willing to listen is like I don't believe that people don't know what healthy food looks like like I don't I don't want to believe that that's where people are at that you can't look at a salad and a pizza and you can't you don't know which one is healthy and which one isn't like I, I have so much more belief in humanity than that why do you think that people say that they care about eating healthy or say that they care about wanting to live a healthy life 
but don't do it. Because this is something I'm faced with because all the time. Because it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. So, you know, yes, of course. I, I also have a sip of water. And it is, and people don't like so, the monotony of it. The, you know, like the monotony of this, like repetitive eating. You know, uh, there, there's this friend of mine who is a great therapist. And she told me something about relationships once. She said, stable relationships may feel boring. Husband material guys may feel boring. But they have a lot of consistency, a lot of stability, and a lot of intrinsic happiness attached to them. That's exactly the case with food as well. Going on different diets, having that quick fix, having that um, quick result gives that high, gives that, uh, you know, that that stamp of approval for those reward centers that, yes, you're doing something adventurous. Just like people have toxic relationships with other people and then having a stable relationship feels boring for them. It's the same case with the relationship of food and people. You know, we know what is right for us. It's just that it's boring, you know. Uh, Being in that process of weight loss, trying different diets might be, uh, you know, a dopamine rush for many people. Why do you think that... um, I, I feel that a lot of people almost kind of enjoy gluttony. They just really enjoy, like, even though that they feel like, or they know, you know, like they're sitting there eating that tub of ice cream or they take that extra scoop or, you know, but like, like there's a really big component of life that like where we've got today as a species, like gluttony is rampant. And I really feel like people enjoy it. So when they're faced with this when they're at the crossroads of continuing to be gluttonous versus just like accepting what should be be like they just they actually really enjoy just being gluttonous i think it's the same reason why people always want a new car or a bigger house or more clothes like it's just the gluttony of life in all aspects but especially food is at an all-time high what do you think of that I, I I think I agree to that. And in fact, to add to that, I would also, I also feel that um, we really glorify bad habits as a species. We feel a lot of pride when we say, I can have one bottle of alcohol and I can stand straight. Yeah, we do. I can, yeah, I can put two all-nighters and I can still stand straight on the third day. Yeah. We glorify bad habits. We, we feel like uh, it's an achievement to do something bad and get away with it. Yeah. Well, it's a, like, you know, I was speeding and I didn't get a ticket. You know, like the, you yes. know, I just, I ate that pizza and my stomach feels fine. I don't feel bloated this time. You know, like, oh, yes. I eat like shit and I haven't gained any weight. And it's like, then all of a sudden six months from now, you're like, well, why did I gain 10 pounds? You know, it's like, yes. you know, but like in that moment, if we've got away with something in that specific moment, whether it's going to impact us in a day, a week, a month or a year from now. But again, if we get away with it at that one moment, like we as a species, like we're going to do it, you know, like, 
you know, I'm going to go borrow more money to buy another thing that I don't really need, you know, because I'm the one who has that. And I'm the person who in my social network who got something new the most frequently, you know, like, it's just, we have all of that, that we're starting to like really pull. And it's like, do you think that that's going to get worse before it gets better? Or do you think that people are starting to kind of pull back away from that? Like, where do you think we're at on the spectrum there? Uh, see, the, the problem is that when we get away with something bad, specifically when it comes to our health, uh, the problem is that we forget to be grateful for the body that we have at that moment. Okay, fine. You ate a whole pizza and then you did not gain weight. You had bad food for an entire month. You had alcohol, multiple alcohol sittings during that one month and you still did not gain weight. Your, your stomach is fine. Rather than, uh, you know, uh, rather than glorifying that and repeating that process, if we, again, if we go back to the basics, look at the bigger picture, think about health from an overall perspective, we will be able to come to a ground where we appreciate whatever our body is doing for us. And then, uh, you know, take a moment and think to ourselves that, okay, fine, I've done this. My body has supported me through this. And now is my time to pay it back. Now it's my time to start taking care of my body the way it deserves and the way I was not able to because th- these things were happening. And, you know? and this is a, another major component of life that I run into with people is why do you think that we've developed this mentality that like, because I'm getting away with it now, even though I know the natural course of my life is I'm going to get diabetes, which I can completely prevent type two anyway, you know, and you know, I'm a high risk for um, heart disease, you know, I'm obese or morbidly obese, you know, I have arthritis now, you know, I'm losing my mobility. Why do you think we have the inability to be able to take our now self at 20, 30, 40, and put ourselves in the shoes of the version of us that's 60, 70, 80, and say, why do I want to let myself degrade down to that person when I don't actually have to? We're choosing that later on in life when when we should be at a point in life where we can actually just have fun with life and experience life. We take that away from ourselves now. Why do you think we don't have the insight is human beings to say, I'm going to do this now to protect the future me. Because, because Blake, instant gratification is a thing. You know, we, yes, we, we want to enjoy the present moment. And that's much easier when we are doing the bad things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and a hell of a lot of fun too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So who who cares what happens when I'm 50? I'm having a pizza right now. Shut the fuck up and have the pizza. <laughs> I know. You know, and the, the thing is, um, till the time we are not at a certain, within a certain problem, we cannot feel the pain of it. You know, uh, if we sit with our grandmothers, if we sit with the, uh, with the senior people of, of our family, and they tell us about their problems, maybe we will be able to empathize with them, but we can't feel their pain. Right? And that, 
that empathizing is also going to be momentary right uh, and it will be hard for us to to feel that we are also going to be in that state someday and feel the same acidic behavior when we have when we even have boiled beans <laughs> you know it's, it's hard that, to imagine yeah and do you think that like you know the vast majority of the general public and you know like the human species do you think that they just accept like that you're going to get to a certain point of time you know in, in your life timeline where like I'm just going to start taking medication. I'm just going to start taking a statin. I'm just going to start taking an SSRI. I'm just going to start these things because that's just what everybody else does when they get there. And like, that's just how it should be. Do you think we've developed that mentality where it's like, well, who cares what we're doing now too? Because I know (laughs) I'm going to end up on these, you know, pharmaceutical drugs anyway, even though there's a whole category of people who aren't on those pharmaceutical drugs at that age, but it's just, they don't get talked about and they don't get glorified. But what does is like, you know, like just this natural progression of of your life of you ending up on a statin now, because you can't take the bag of chips out of your hand right now. (laughs) You know, like. That's, that's, I, I totally agree with that. Um, And in fact, I'm not sure about what's the case in the West, but then in my country, it's a huge thing. Uh, so I, I'll tell you what the common notion is. If you are, if you look slim enough, if you look small enough, this is for girls. If you're small enough, it's easier for you to get a guy. And for a guy, if you have really broad shoulders, it's easy to get a girl. And that is the reason why people focus on workouts only when they are in their dating and marriageable age. Which is funny. It's just all like, (laughs) if you were good looking when I met you, you got to maintain that all the way through because this is half of the part of what attracted me to you in the first place. But then, but then, okay, so I, I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you this personal story. I gained around eight kgs of weight right after my marriage because for that time being, I was just, uh, you know, away from that uh, professional persona of mine and I was not taking a lot of sessions. I was really enjoying a lot of family time, the new family, uh, the new interactions, the new relationships. I was enjoying all of that. I was enjoying the food. I was visiting many, uh, you know, people's places. They were inviting us for dinner as a new couple. And uh, I gained a lot of weight during those first two, three months. And once I got that awareness that, okay, I am not feeling fit. And it started showing on my face. It started showing in my conversation that I'm not feeling the best of myself. The the most uh, I have heard, this statement I have heard so many times, that's okay, now you're married. It's okay, it happens after marriage. It's okay to gain some weight after marriage. So it's it's so normal to give up on your uh, on your physical health once you're married or once you are at a certain stage of life you know uh, once you have kids it's okay to have a little punch uh, you are a mother look like a mother you're supposed or to look like a mother like, like the dad bod right you know like yes oh, of you're course. A dad now you know like it's almost like when you become when you get married or you become a parent it's like it's you enter into this zone where like you shouldn't be good looking anymore and it's weird it's just like <laughs> 
it's like, it's like, no, 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 let yourself fall apart. And, you know, don't worry that your mental and emotional health is going to go along with that. Like your relationship is going to suffer a little bit because your mental and emotional health is suffering. Like you're not going to have as much confidence in yourself. Like, but it's like, like, why? It is like, oh, that's a young <laughs> man's game. You know, like that's a young woman's game. Like, you know, like, why do you want to look appealing, you know, to, you know, women still, if you're, you know, in a relationship, if you're a man, it's like, no, no, no. If people, you know, men or women are attracted to me because I happen to prioritize myself and my health, well, I can't do anything. I'm not going to sacrifice my health and actually take years <laughs> off my life and the like reduce the quality of my life long-term simply because you're a dad or a mom or you're in a relationship, whether you're married or just starting a relationship or not. Like, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's a weird zone that we transition into when all of a sudden, like we're a responsible adult now, air quotes, right? And in fact, if we just shift this perspective a little bit, we want our kids to be healthy. We want our kids to eat well. We want our kids to have a long life, a healthy life. But uh, the, the problem is that having a, a physically fit body is attached so much to the appearance perspective. Uh, that's the reason why there is so much of stigma also about uh, being fit as a parent. But if you just shift your perspective, if you are a fit parent, it's so much easier to imbibe all of those good habits in your kids. We never think of that. When a female, uh, when a mother wants to look uh, fit, wants to feel fit, wants to work out, the first thing we say is, who do you want to attract now? But the perspective can be that she wants to have a lot of active time with the kids. She wants to still have a good relationship with the husband. She still wants to, uh, you know, enjoy that physical intimation with the husband. Uh, she still, uh, you, you know, she wants her kids to be active. She wants her kids to eat healthy. So being fit has so less to do with attracting somebody else. And in fact, the people who who work out from that perspective, they themselves think that other people who are really serious about their health are doing it for the appearance sake but that's not the case and in fact uh, there are so many people who should be glorified for having uh, you know that standard for uh, the standard at which they treat their body uh, Ernstine Shepherd, she's 85 year old she's the oldest bodybuilder ever she started at the age of what 60 65 I guess uh, and at that time, she was she had nobody to attract. She just wanted to have good knees. Yeah. And she started weightlifting, right? And now she's the oldest bodybuilder ever. She trains other people. So f- appearance and, uh, you know, looking good naked is a very small part of physical fitness. There's so much more to it. And, yeah, and I think a yeah. lot of that started because of like, how the fitness industry started, you know, it was, you know, all about vanity, you know, beaches, California, swimsuits, you know, hot men and women, you know, like, it was just like, that was the persona. And like, like, I agree with you, because it's the same way that I look at it. I'm like, if, if you are that shallow and that vain that you think the reason why that I want to be fit is simply to sleep with somebody else or be attracted (laughs) to somebody else, like, 
that's not what I'm in this game for. Like I, to me, like I work out and I'm healthy and I try to live a healthy, active lifestyle because I want my body to perform in all these different arenas. I want to play squash. I want to row. I want to work out and I want to hike. I want to do all of these different things. And I need my body to be able to perform a certain way to be able to do that. And I made a deal with myself when my first daughter was born on, because I've always been a high energy individual. I'm like, I'm always going to maintain this because I never want my kids to be like, Hey dad, we can, can we go play? And I'm too tired to do that. Or, you know, like I want to always wear them out. I never want them to get the best to me. I always <laughs> want them to be playing catch up. And as a result of that, you know, like, like with my kids, we bake together. If they're going to have cookies, we're baking, we're using honey, you know, we're using coconut sugar. We're using these, you know, natural sweeteners or, you know, sweeteners that are lower on the glycemic index, like the, the coconut sugar, you know, like we're making mm -hmm. fresh homemade pasta at home instead of buying it. So you can see that it's just is eggs and flour like that, like that's it. Like you can mm -hmm. do these things on your own, like, you know, gardening and being around farming and all these different kind of things. And, you know, and now through like fitness, they see it because like, we'll go into a gym and they'll just start lifting weights on their own. And they're, they're young. Like all my kids are 10 or less. And like, they'll go start doing burpees and they'll grab the little five pound weights and they'll jump around on the BOSU <laughs> balls. And, you know, and, but they've grown up in that environment. They've grown up in gyms and they see all these people doing these like healthy, active things. It's like, that's what I'm trying to attract. I'm not trying to attract a sexual encounter. I'm trying to attract my children into adopting this lifestyle that I know is better for them because the alternative is, is when I look at parents, and I know this is super judgy, but I'm going to do it anyway. But when I look at parents and all they're doing is drinking, eating like crap, watching Netflix, playing on their phone, and they're not active. And when you are, if that's the image that you're presenting to your kids, they're going to grow up thinking like, like that is life, but you're actually taking life away from them. You're not giving them life. You're taking life away from them because they're living, going to live a life of struggle. They're going to give, live a life of disease. They're going to live a life of hardship because you haven't set them up with the proper fundamentals to be healthy, active, and strong. I know it's kind of like a little bit of a rent, but, um, What's your perspective on that? I I totally agree to that. Um, see, I I seriously oh, so it's it's something that I deeply feel. The least, the least that we can give to our kids is our DNA. Yeah, we have That's to make sure that it's good. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we are doing it for our mitochondria, not the other girls or boys. Yeah. Well, see, like, you know, you make a good point because like, as you know, like, you know, like we have our, our DNA and most people say like, I'm going to pass on my genes. It's like, no, no. When you, at the moment that we pass on our genes to our children, you know, like we, we had different genes turned on, on our DNA strands based on what you were doing at that time. So what right. you are doing, you actually are reprogramming your DNA and then you hand that off to your children. So, you know, yeah. I totally agree with you. Like what kind of genes, what kind of DNA are we, do we want to pass on at that critical moment? And then what are we going to do for the rest of life to be able to maintain that? Because, you know, like for me, like when people are like, cause I don't eat pizza, I don't eat ice cream. You know, if I eat a cookie, it's a homemade cookie, you know, like I don't eat 
any junk food at all. And people always ask me like, do you feel deprived? Or like, why do you deprive yourself of that? And, but I don't know, like, like it actually, it, it would be such a hardship to grab like a McDonald's cheeseburger and eat it. Like it makes my skin crawl thinking about, it. like, I'm just not that person. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I'm not going to get a bag of chips. I'm not going to go buy a chocolate bar from the grocery store. Like I'm not going to do those things, but I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything, you know, but then when we get into like, you know, raising kids, people are just like, well, you know, you're depriving your children of like, you know, ice cream and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, no, I'm not. If they want to eat it, they can eat it. I'm not going to, but I'm not going to encourage them to eat that shit. Like I know they're going to eat it. I know they're going to go to a friend's house and eat it. I know they're going to ask me for it and I'm going to give it to them, you know, but it's not like encouraging people to feel guilty for not eating bad, like blows my mind. But that's a (laughs) huge part of life. Yes, yes, that, that's really, that's actually true. People feel that we are depriving ourselves of, uh, of fun when we are just enjoying the freedom of discipline. And, you know, this, this concept of having freedom when we are in discipline, this, I learned it a few years back um, from a, uh, from somebody who I follow uh, and the, the concept is that when you are in discipline you create so much space for a lot of freedom and it applies to the physical fitness because when you are uh, keeping yourself fit you have the freedom to actually play with your kids longer you have the freedom to create more money because you have more energy to work you have more freedom to uh, enjoy better relationship with your partner because you have the energy for it at the end of the day, right? So there's so much of freedom when you stay disciplined in certain parts of your life. And fitness is uh, is a living example of that. So my body was able to do much more than what I can do right now when I was not having the typical fun what you know the definition of fun whatever people have it so yeah I had my fun for the last six months uh, after I got married and trust me it took away my freedom of but, you know, but of it's almost do, yeah yeah it's like like discipline and anything kind of around the narrative of discipline it's I don't know what it's like in India but like you know here a lot of people want to look at you as like oh you're too extreme you take things too far you know like you need to slow down you're doing too much and it's like no like why like (laughs) you know like I got up at at three o'clock this morning so that I could go to the gym and work out and sit in the sauna and the ice bath so I could be fully prepared and alert before you know we hopped on this podcast here this morning and like I'm excited for this conversation like like you know like I've done basically the first four or five hours of my day is like doing all these things that just fire me up but we'll be done this and it'll only be 8 30 in the morning my time and I'm like I got the entire rest of the day to do and I love that I love doing things I love accomplishing things I love learning I love you know doing more but that's so offensive to a lot of people you know like accomplishing a lot is offensive you know eating healthy is offensive like <laughs> You know, working out is offensive. Like, 
like like do you face situations like that in india is is that how it is in india too or is that just like a of course that happens then you know there'll there'll be people no we can't have that much discipline how can you have so much discipline how can you think about eating healthy all the time you need to let loose a bit and then these are the same people who would envy you when you are able to do a headstand and they are not you know these are the same people who would say how come you have the energy to dance in a party till 1 o'clock and we don't we can't how are you able to dance so well how are you able to uh, you know stay active till this late how are you able to do that the thing is i put in the work every single day to be able to do that you know my body is supporting me because i am taking care of my body it's as simple as that this is the best relationship and i think uh, the relationship that you have with your body is going to be the most rewarding uh, relationship that you ever have in your life because people come and go but this is going to stay this is going to stay as long as you are here right so if you take care of your body it is going to give you back many folds exponential folds of energy of capabilities of um, you know abilities to do different things enjoy different things in life so yeah if if you are not able to make it past the lunch time without having a nap it is because you are treating your body like a piece of shit no i agree It's... and you know and you you bring the base thing up that like I don't understand I don't know how that it's got to this point in life to is why why should people who are disciplined drag themselves down to a level of being undisciplined because other people feel more comfortable with that outlier being in their life now they just drag them down instead of those people wanting to be a little bit more like challenging themselves more being a little bit better like why did it invert you know like it's just like no no like i want to be around other people who are doing great things it's the reason why i reached out to you it's like i can see you're doing great things i can see this is a priority to you you wouldn't invest this time and effort and energy and for the amount of time if it wasn't a priority to you and you know like you just made a great comment and you're like you do this every day like this is just something you do every day like there's no there's no deviation to this and it's not because you're stubborn It's not because you're overly all that disciplined. It's because like you've created this routine that you believe in. You've created this routine that you feel the payoff from. And this is a for me personally, where I've worked myself into this corner of like chasing, always feeling better. And I've come to the realization, actually, just very recently, within the last few months, of being like, this is actually. the best i'm going to feel and i'm going to be happy with that cuz i'm doing all of this stuff like there's not this i'm not going to live in total euphoria every single day you're going to go through your ups and downs but what i and i've shifted my mentality is that i want to feel this good right now at 38 at 78 at 88 you know i want to be that you know if i want to be an 88 year old you know bodybuilder i want to be able to do that you know i if i want to go rock climbing at 76 i want to be able to do that you know like i want to feel this good then instead of just chasing feeling better now cuz i'm like i do everything to be able to feel great and 
I want other people to realize like, hey, like it actually doesn't take a whole lot of effort because you're spending just as much effort stopping at the liquor store every day. You're spending just as much effort going through the McDonald's drive through You're spending just as much effort struggling to get out of bed, struggling to work, struggling to do all this stuff. All those things are easier if you just shift what you're doing. It's no eff- no more effort. You're already putting in the equivalent amount of effort, but doing something that's making the rest of your life harder. It's, it's I think, uh, again, the, the same analogy that we just spoke about. Uh, you know, being in a toxic relationship feels good time to time. And that good is a, is a lot of rush. But being in a stable relationship is that consistent, uh, you know, flow of happiness where are, where there are not much ups and downs. And those that stability can feel a lot less attractive to many people, you know. Um, and in fact, uh, I would say that I was on the verge of being a victim to that. Uh, so I am I'm really grateful that my body is not uh, ready to tolerate any bullshit behavior from me anymore. And that's the reason why I had to pick myself up and get back to my routine when I uh, gained weight. So uh, when when I actually gained weight, my back, uh, you know, it my back stopped supporting me. I had a back spasm. And for two months straight, I used to wake up crying every morning out of pain. And I'm really thankful. To, in fact, there are people who who told me that what's the point of your fitness? You ate bad for two months and your body is paining all over. However, I take that as a blessing because my body tells me if there is even a little bit wrong happening in the schedule. And I see so many people going years and years and decades and decades altogether, having bad patterns of uh, eating, having big bellies and no pains at all. The point is that their body has got so numb and they have got so numb to, uh, you know, all the body signals. And that's why they don't have any connection with their body at all. I'm so grateful that if I am doing even, uh, even an ounce of bad behavior, in the terms of my eating pattern and sleeping patterns, my body is responsive enough to tell me that I am bullshitting and I need to pick myself up, you know? And being in that discipline is, is such an amazing thing because you have your best friend with you all the time. My body is my best friend. My body knows me. My body talks to me every single day. And that's the best relationship that I feel anyone can have. And the best part is that this best friend is so forgiving. So if we get into the science, all the mechanisms, even if no matter how bad you have messed up, the moment you decide that you want to work it out, the body starts to to respond immediately. I mean, if if you talk about, you know, the workout adaptations, Think about the workout adaptations. Even a single workout route, a workout uh, session of weight training can lift your metabolism up to 9%. It is so amazing. One workout session and your body is ready to forgive all the messed up things that you have done. Where will you ever get such a forgiving best friend? Right? 
it's it's our yeah and for me too like I don't I don't even like who I am as a person for me when I'm off all the protocols that you know I do like eating eating healthy exercise you know spending time outside um you know sauna ice bath all that stuff when I'm off or if like when I'm traveling you know and I come back I don't like who I am like I I don't like what's going on in my mind I don't like what's going on in my body and if I don't like that it's like how do I expect other people to like that because I'm going to represent that out I just have a little bit more of a personal connection I might be able to hide it a little bit but like how do I expect anybody else to like that version of me if I don't like that version of me yeah I I seriously uh you know that's that's like a personal thing that I have I romanticize my relationship with my body. <laughs> I romanticize science. I romanticize physiology. Uh, I think that's uh, that's one thing I have because of because I'm a really emotional person. I'm I'm a Piscean, and I'm really proud of that because I'm able to paint a picture for my clients where they're able to see the kind of relationship that they have with their body as a personification so yeah i i really feel that our body is very forgiving in nature there are so many uh, every mechanism if you talk about you know uh, you get into the science of cell you talk about glycolysis you talk about lipogenesis you talk about you you talk about any uh, metabolic process and if you think of uh, the reason why it is happening it always turns out to be so beautiful that our body is supporting us every single day uh, every single second uh, and it does so much for us all it, that it wants is that we stick to the basics that's it can't get easier than this how much do you think we really know about the body like just in like the grand scale of all the different mechanistic you know functions that happen in the body you know, all the different uh, genes that can be turned on and off, you know, the genes that can be expressed, you know, like, be, 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 and then I think, we learn so much all I the think, time. I think our body is the universe itself. And we don't even know as much as we know about our own solar system. You know, it's funny you say that because I have these two concepts that I float around in my mind. I look at all the different cells and atoms in our body and I'm like, well, this is like the ultimate representation of our universe because like our universe is infinite. So if like, if each one of us is a universe on this planet and we have 7 billion universes on this planet, you know, and so like I snowball it like that way too, because you can, if you are open-minded enough, I, I believe that you can kind of see it. If you've ever even looked at your blood underneath a microscope or, you know, anything along those lines, like you can yeah. see how you're like, I can see the universe here and just how active it is and how much energy we actually have in our body that we have no idea that we can't feel it, but like, it's so active and like our universe is so active. And then, you know, just like how, you know, like learning more about biology all the time and, like the physiology like of our bodies and how we are very much you know like a part of you know like this biological world that's around us and stuff you know like it's like i don't i don't think that you can we can argue that i think that 
like people who who can are the people who are so far off being healthy in all ways that it doesn't allow them to be able to be open-minded enough to see like you know when you're laying down on the ground and you know you're allowing your skin to touch the dirt and how you are connecting with that mycelial layer you know that's underneath the entire earth's floor that's tapped into the plants to the trees that are tapped into the birds you know, and the bees, I'm going to write a poem here, I guess, but, um, you know, but I it's know, just like I know. you see I, I how totally, it all I agree. works together. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I, okay, so, see, I, when I even study physiology, okay, I'll, I'll tell you. So, uh, I'll give you a small example. If we, if, if we study about the sleep, the science of sleep, right, uh, so, when we are sleeping, when we are in our REM sleep, there are so many things which are happening inside our body, right? But there is this really interesting thing that happens inside our brain. That, uh, you know, our brain is this close-knit uh, system and you can see all the all the crests and troughs and, uh, you know, the waves inside, uh, the, the all the folds uh, inside the brain, right? When we are sleeping, our brain cells actually shrink in size to make space. And the craniosacral fluid flows through that, clears out the memories, clear out the junk memories and throws them out, solidifies the important memories. And this is physically happening inside our body when we are sleeping in sync with the circadian rhythm. I mean, it is... It is magical what our body is capable of. You know, you think you look at food and your leptin starts to increase in your body. And this leptin is going to the brain. Leptin is produced inside the stomach. So stomach has a brain of its own. This leptin is going to the brain and telling the hands and mouth to move so that we can eat. If that is not magic, then what is? Well, and you look at that, you know, between like that leptin being created, you know, through and then like the vagus nerve stimulation to be able to to cognitively become aware at the same time that your body starts to masticate. And you're just like, and you're like, there's all of these systems that's happening. It's like, you know, like physically you're moving, you know, like, you know, through mastication, you're starting to prepare your mouth for this experience of bringing that food physically into your, into your body. And it's like there, and, and again, too, like, these are the things like we highlighted like a couple of, you know, like tens of different, very, you know, profound uh, processes that happen through, like when you visually start to see food, it's like, you know, when, again, like we talked about before, when it's colorful, you know, like we get that dopamine release. Cause it's like, Hey, there's something good over there. Go investigate, go look, you know, then it's like, the hunger starts to build, you know, then like the liver starts producing enzymes, you know, like you start going through all of this stuff that happens. Like, this is why I say, like, I I wonder what we actually know. Like if there was like, you know, here's the hundred percent of knowledge. Are we 5%, 20%, 30%? Because like, it's so complex. And for me to figure out the different systems in the body, when A affects B and B affects like, G, Z, number one, two, four, five, you know, like there's just, 
there's a never ending domino and trickle down effect to all these different processes happening in the body. Well, what happens if you change one of those? A million different possibilities. What happens if you change yeah. five of them? Billions of different possibilities, you know, and like, well, what happens, you know, like, it's like how we look at like LDL cholesterol. Well, before LDL cholesterol was the devil. Now there's all these studies coming out that it helps increase cognitive function and it helps stave off Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, in elderly people, 65 plus. And it's like, okay, well, what is the role of LDL in our body? Because before we were always thinking that it's the worst thing possible, taking statins to be able to reduce it. It's like, well, what's the actual function behind that? Or, you know, like what's actually going on in the body long-term outside of, you know, your LDL levels being maybe a little bit elevated now, but how may that benefit you in the future? Because now we know there might be benefit in the future because of that. Right. And in fact, see, if we talk about the advancements of science, less than 200 years ago, we did not even know that we are made up of cells. Wild. Right. It's wild. And imagine if if our knowledge is so recent, how can we be confident that we know everything that is going in inside our body? There are so many things uh, which are happening inside our body, which I am pretty sure that we do not know. And in fact, if we talk about different sciences, in um in in the humanhood um so when we study about ayurveda and if we talk about the spiritual aspect of uh, of health uh, there are ayurvedic doctors who can check your pulse and just by studying this pulse over here they can tell you what all diseases you are prone to develop in the next 5 years 10 years 20 years so our body is so, our body communicates so much. And if we talk about the spiritual science, um, if we talk about yoga, so uh, the the core, uh, the foundation book of yoga is Patanjali Yoga Sutra. And as per that book, there are eight energy centers attached in our body where energy is consolidated and it flows through uh, very subtle channels of energy which are so subtle that you can't even see them so there are nerves through which you know uh, nerves and veins through which your blood is flowing and then there are nadis through which the life force flows so uh, if if we talk about this whole aspect of uh, you know ancient studies of medicine in india there are there is so much that we can talk about so uh, when when we talk about these energy force the life force it's called the prana uh, think of it in that perspective when somebody dies all the organs are there everything is there what is this one thing that is missing and when it's missing the person dies that one thing is called the prana the life force and that life force is so subtle that and yet so profound, you can't even see that, but it is the most powerful thing of the human body. When it leaves, the breath leaves the body and then the body dies. So these energy centers are distributed throughout the body. There are seven inside the body and then there is eight, which is slightly above the head. So that that 
you know the the term called aura it's an actual thing and if you study about uh, you know indian methodologies of medicine you actually read the scientific basis the written basics of these things so the aura is everything one feet around your body and that so each energy center is uh, taking care of two different energies inside our body so for example uh, there are there are seven energy centers inside the body there is one at the tailbone which is uh, the representative of either the activity or uh, laziness so when it is vibrating at a positive energy you feel really energetic you feel like doing things you feel like uh, you know going out there for something and when it is uh, vibrating at a negative energy you feel lethargic you feel like not doing anything slightly above that right behind uh, the genitalia there is another energy center which if it is uh, vibrating at a at a positive energy you feel creative you feel poetic you feel romantic and uh, if it is vibrating at a negative energy you feel lustful you you just feel lust and you can't feel anything else apart from that that's the reason why poets are also you know are good lovers as well because they are creative so all the artists are great lovers because of that so it's if we talk about human and uh, you know our body the capabilities of it i think we just we don't even know equivalent to the tip of our iceberg there's so much more to explore you know so yeah and that's that's the reason why i this is the reason why i love studying about yeah, human body because there is it's never going to end yeah and you know and i think like the the best relative point to make that's you know uh piggybacks on what you were just saying is that when western allopathic medicine western science or just more i guess like science in today's traditional form gets to be thousands of years old like you know um whether you're talking about like ayurveda or traditional chinese medicine you know some of these eastern practices when it gets to be of that age where it will be and what we will know because it's like there's these other systems that have been practiced for thousands of years that's why they're so fine tuned and that's why i think that people don't want to believe in them because it kind of scares them to be able to understand that they might be real because they they're hard to tangibly say i believe this because you can't see it but like we're when you're talking about the aura that's you know around people like i believe that this is where what our instincts tap into is when you feel the different auras around and your instincts you know internally are 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 tapping into those different auras telling you you know whether or not you're safe you know whether or not you're not safe you know whether or not you should you know stay or go you know like all of these different you know feelings that we get into the body like that's like our instincts talking to us through the auras of different biological life right and you know to listen to them to understand them it's it's foundational that you have a good mind body connection right and the best part is that you can actually change anything in your body if only you're working for it why do you think we we don't i i always say we but 
why do you think that the vast majority of people don't want to listen to their intuition anymore? Because again, because it's boring. <laughs> the intuition will tell people that, okay, fine, you're ordering food from outside, but it will be better if you make it at home. That instinct is boring. <laughs> Why do we need life to be so exciting? Um, Are we addicted to the dopamine rush of... Of course, of course, of course. That's, that's the, uh, you know, curiosity is a basic human nature. If there was no curiosity, there won't be any fire, there won't be any inventions, there won't be any discoveries. I mean, the world started because... Because as per your mythology, Eve wanted to just have that apple. She just wanted to have that apple. She was just curious, right? So, yeah, curiosity runs the world. Curiosity takes the world forward. So, yeah. What is your What does your day look like, you know, in regards to, like, exercise, nutrition? Like, like what do you do? That's always the question everybody wants to know from us. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, what do we do? <laughs> Um, it's a, it's a pretty basic routine. I wake up around six, six thirty. have, uh, I have a meditation practice of half an hour every single day. Uh, then I eat, I eat something, preferably uh, a fruit. And then I go for my workout four to five times in a week. I'll come back. Um, I luckily, because I stay in India, I can, um, afford domestic help. So I have somebody to cook for me. She'll come, she'll ha- make my breakfast. I'll have the breakfast, which is a usual combination of carbohydrates, protein and fiber. And I always have multiple things on my plate. So there'll be some vegetables as well. There'll be a grain. Uh, there'll be a protein source for sure. Um, then I'll sit to work. I'll uh, you know speak to my students. I'll speak to my clients. I'll do the sessions. I'll speak to my community on Instagram. I'll create the content and whatever. Then there will be lunch. Uh, in between, if I feel hungry, I'll have a fruit or uh, you know depends what my body is telling me that particular day. Uh, or otherwise, I since the time I have moved in with my husband, I have much more time and mental space to. Uh, you know, try my creativity and, you know, make different drinks using different fruits. I try ice creams, I try slushes, I try a lot of things. So yeah, that, then the lunch, lunch again is typical homemade food where I'm having the normal Indian food, there will be chapatis, or there will be rice, there will be uh, a lentil, there will be a vegetable, then I have some curd for the probiotic. Then in the evening, uh, maybe I'll have something like milkshake or uh, like right now I did not like my throat was not supporting me enough so um, I had a herbal tea to just calm down my uh, throat in preparation of this uh, this conversation and then there will be a simple dinner again the homemade and then I'll sleep by maximum 11 so here uh, in my part of the world the sun sets at somewhere around 7 seven thirty. And yeah, that's that's around the time when I have my dinner. And then by 10, 30, 11, I go to sleep. That's all. That's a simple, basic, boring routine. No, no. <laughs> but consistent though, right? Like that's the main thing. But do you, uh, have, yes. have you ever or do you uh, count calories at all? Do you do that with, 
like, you know, with clients and students, like, do you, do you encourage that or do you steer people away from counting calories? Like what, what's your perspective on calorie counting or just even I, finding out the calorie rates? I do not uh, do any kind of calorie counting. In fact, um, when it comes to my body, I try to steer away from any kind of objectification as much as I can. Even being a nutritionist, I do not own a weighing scale at my home. I don't check my weight. Uh, I rely on uh, more non-tangible parameters to check my health. Um, I'll see if my skin is drying out. I know that, you know, my water intake is not up to the mark right now. I'm not taking my vitamins enough. Maybe I need to increase my fruits. If, uh, you know, if my if my pee is not clear enough, I know that, you know, maybe I had less water in this section of the day. I'll have more water. Uh, every month I check my body measurements and I work on them. Uh, I try to track down my workout to see, uh, you know, what was the weight that I lifted last week and whether I'm maintaining that right now or I'm increasing that right now. Uh, so yeah, that's something that I do. And for my workout intensity, I rely completely on my body signals because I also uh, try to do the cycle syncing. So after the periods, the first 15 days, I'll try to go heavy on the workouts, uh, intensify the workouts. And the last 15 days and during the menstruation, I would not work. <clears throat> just a second. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's funny that you said it because like that just goes to show me like how in tune you are <laughs> with like your body and your body processes, just knowing that about yourself because most people don't and they don't take it that far. Um, but I've trained a lot of women and I know that like, you know, different times of the month and stuff based on their menstrual cycles, their performance is heavily impacted. So it's like recognizing that and building programs around that is so key. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, because see, any which way, if you are not listening to your body, you're not going to get the result you want. It's as simple as that. So uh, when in uh, when I am in my follicular stage and the ovulation stage, I know that my body is going to support me with higher energy and my body won't have any cravings. So I would go heavy on the workouts. And when I'm in my luteal phase, I know that maybe if I feel like having a nap in the afternoon, I will lie down for 15 minutes. I'll have a quick nap. Oh you know, somewhere around 15, 20 minutes. And I will be able to stick to that only if I'm sticking to the basics. So if I am not having that, uh, you know, proper sleep within the circadian rhythm, I'm not following the circadian rhythm, then I won't be able to feel fresh after a 15 minute nap. I would need two hours, right? So uh, yeah, so in the luteal phase, I will take the rest that I need. Uh, and I will also try to divide my content creation accordingly so in the first 15 days i know that i'm going to be more energetic so you know i try to schedule the meetings i try to you know speak to other people if i have to physically meet somebody i'll try to do in that in that time and during the menstruation i would try not to do that i'll do the boring work the uh, the you know the administrative work the background work where i'm you know sitting down with the team and doing the deep work for the company so yeah that's that's something that i try to do and I, that's something that i also um, help my clients too and again this all speaks back to you know like just like understanding like you understanding what's best for you and 
Like this is something that people have a hard time doing. And, you know, like whether it comes like prioritizing themselves to stop and say, you know, like how, like, like what am I feeling today? Do I normally feel like this? You know, like, it's like for me, like it took like 37 years to realize I don't sleep the day before the full moon, the full moon and the day after the full moon. Like, but then all of a sudden I'm like, this seems like it happens all the time. And I started tracking why I wasn't sleeping. I'm like, oh, it's when the full moon is here. Like whether or not I see it or not, if it's cloudy or not, like, but it's like, people just don't take that time out. But like you said, like this goes back to the discipline that we were talking about earlier. Like you've shown the discipline to be able to recognize in your mind and your body when is the best times for you to be productive, because that's what you just talked about. It has nothing to do with the menstrual cycle. It has everything to do with like, you want to optimize your life. You want to be the most, you know, professional when you can, you want to do the most in each week, each month that you can do that. Like, like just you've optimized yourself as a human being to such a degree you've broken down into these segments of when you're going to do certain activities, whether personally or professionally, just to be able to get the most out of life. And like people just don't do this, you know, and this, like I do the same thing, you know, too. And like, you know, people who are disciplined all do that. Like they recognize patterns, they recognize signals, like they prioritize time. They know when they're going to be effective and when they're not going to be effective. You know, like this is, this is how I feel we've advanced to be the most apex species on this planet is because people did those things by default. So we had way more time to be able to listen to ourselves. Do you think that people don't because they've convinced themselves that they don't have the time to be able to listen to their bodies and what's best for them? Um, that can be the case. Um, in fact, I am really uh, compassionate and uh, apologetic for uh, for the people uh, but no I, the wrong word forgiving for the people who uh, have not been able to do that and uh, i think this is something that we need to recognize as professionals that because we have spent so much time studying the human body it's come it comes easy to us it comes naturally to us that it's uh, we can take care of our body easier it's easier for us to you know look at two options and then choose the one which is better for our body it's not the case with everybody and that's where our services come in you know that's where uh the the modes of our um uh, our knowledge imparting medias come in you know so for the short form content i am doing instagram where i am doing my reels where i'm doing the post where i'm showing up on my stories talking to people answering their questions uh to explain longer things i am doing the youtube channel uh where i'm explaining the science of nutrition how the, you can understand your body what you can do in certain situations and if somebody wants really individualized and customized approach that's where my one on one program comes into the picture so um Yes, uh, even though we know what's right and what's wrong for, for us, uh, it's easier for us as professionals to make that decision and to make it work in a way that nothing else gets affected. But for somebody who wants to eat healthy and at the same time maintain a social life, give time to their kids, uh, and uh, you know they have a small kid who's not sleeping in the night, they might want to sleep in the night on a time, like on a specific time so that they can have proper sleep. But then they do not know how 
to make the kids sleep and that's where our professional expertise will come in where we will identify the problem uh, we will listen to their problem then identify the core reason behind that and fix that using a professional and a systematic approach so uh, I, I, that's that's where in fact i i also feel uh, really grateful and i love the job that i do because i am able to make life simpler for many people you know it's been 10 years of me practicing as a nutritionist there's been thousands and thousands of people that i've dealt with um, helped and this is this is one satisfaction that i have which helps me sleep at night that i'm doing something worthwhile i am uh, you know as a single person maybe i'm i cannot change the world but then this little universe of mine where my family and my uh, friends and my uh, clients are i'm able to uh, have an impact on them and i'm able to help them whenever they need so yeah uh, i don't think it's always um, people need to be guilty about not following through and people uh, need to be guilty about not taking care of their health because uh, if you are feeling guilty about not able to do something that's that's that tells us somewhere that you want to do something better right and the willingness to do something better is the step one for doing that better right uh, if you are able to do that on your own great if you are not take a professional help we people like us are there right so reach out ask for help and it's it's so easy right now yes it is confusing because there are so many people who are uh, you know who are talking nonsense <laughs> and giving crap advice but then uh, you know if only you have your agenda clear that you are looking for long term health you will be able to differentiate between the two things uh, of you know uh, the two advices right and wrong advice you will be able to figure out and even if you feel like the right advice will take a little longer to take you to the result it's okay because it's going to be worth and it's going to be at least sustainable and sustainability will always be over the quick fixes so once you make that decision it's get it gets easy to get help and fix the things so yeah that's it that's great advice and maybe we'll wrap things up there so i want to be mindful of, of your time and you know maybe if you could uh any urls uh Instagram handles, Facebook, YouTube, throw all that stuff out there for people if they want to get a hold of you. It will all be listed, um, you know, in the description of this episode too, but throw it out there for everybody who's listening. Yes, uh, I I would, uh, you know, this is this is one message that I give to all my clients. This is one motto that I live by. You need to eat more so that you can burn more. And that is that is the only thing which makes a fit foodie. So if you want to be a fit foodie, you'll have to eat more and then you'll have to burn more. Yeah, just just keep doing that. And anybody who wants to reach me out, yes, there will be uh, my description, uh, my links in the show notes. But I am uh, reachable at Dietitian Manisha on Instagram, Reena Rishwit Manisha on uh, YouTube and Dietitian Manisha at gmail.com on email. And thank you so much, Blake, for having me here. I loved this conversation. Too, thank you so much for taking time on i know it's getting to be later in the evening your time and you either have supper to eat or you just finished eating but just thank you so much for coming on and i really appreciate a future conversation with you i i'm looking forward to that have a wonderful evening you too